Father, we ask that you would just help us to deal with what's going on, have calmness of heart, be able to point directly to you in times of trouble, that you are our help in a very time of need. And and we'll trust you, Lord, that you are the one in control. You are the one that is allowing these things to take place, and eventually even this will turn out for our benefit and glory. We ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom as we get into First Thessalonians again, and we pray that we would not be easily discouraged by what's going on, but you would encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name. Now, I do want to go back and give you this one uh, couple of details. <clears throat> you know, they've been pushing this vaccine for everybody to get. Some have gotten it, some haven't, some are fully vaxxed been vaxxed four times, you know, boosters. I just read this. Australia and Israel report that 95 to 99% of hospitalized uh, COVID victims are fully vaccinated. Let me say that again. 95 to 99%. Almost 100% of the people that are getting COVID are vaccinated. What's up with that? We were first told... If you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Then if you get vaccine, you won't get a sick. Uh, you'll be out of the hospital. Then if you get the vaccine, it will help you in the long run if you're boosted. And then we have to boost every year and keep on going on. And then you read about the cases of myocarditis and female reproductive problems associated with this. We have been lied to concerning the vaccine and there are still commercials on the radio i must hear 20 a day if i hear one they will say vaccines are safe go ahead get one they're safe for children and they're just pushing this and you have to ask why now if if you've gotten it you know they say that if you take the swab test you know swab they stick up your nose there are articles out there that say you can get the vaccine through that they can just give it to you if they want to through that now how much of this is true and how much is not true i'm just going to tell you what's out there on this stuff some of it i i don't know but i when this originally hit with the vaccine they said there was no quote graphene in the vaccine vaccine the graphene is deadly to human beings they said, no, it's not in there. Well, come to find out that some of these shots, I forget which one, Moderna or Pfizer, has graphene in it. Then they told us that they didn't do the testing on aborted fetuses. Well, come to find out the Pfizer CEO was caught on camera, on tape. Yeah, we don't want to let everybody know this, but this is what we're doing. They lied to us on that. And people who had the moral objection would say, oh, you're being ridiculous. That's not true. Now, I'm going to tell you this one, and I don't know if it's true. I'm still trying to find out if it's true or not. But I I just want to let you know, you go down these rabbit trails and you backtrack. And if I find out differently, I'll I'll let you know. But I just want to inform you a little bit. There's what's called microtech. Have any of you guys heard about microtech? Nanotechnology. They say that in the vaccine, there is microtech. And one article that I read says that this microtech can be detected by 5G. Now, is it true? I, I have no idea. It sounds kind of like 
way out there. But wait, the first two things I was told were not true. Is this true? I don't know. I, I just don't know. But I want to let you know what they're saying out there just so that you're informed. You go, we don't know if it's true or not, and we'll see. We'll see if it bears out. Where they have these nanotechnology little microprocessors that are in the vaccine and the 5G network can pick those up and they can track you wherever you're going and they can get your heart rate and all of that. Now, is that... I don't know. But they've lied to us so far. They've lied to us about everything that is out there. And if this comes up to be true as well, well, okay. Have I been vaccinated? No. But did I get the swab? A couple of times I got the swab. Do I have the vaccine? I very well could have the vaccine. I don't know. Is it going to affect me in the long run? Well, if I have it, yeah, it could. If I don't have it, I can get another strain of COVID. It's like, what am I supposed to worry about? Nothing. It is what it is, the Lord would say. That's Bill's paraphrased version. It's the way it's just going to work out. And we can't stop any of this from taking place because I believe the Lord's allowing it to happen. We just have to try to manage in the midst of that, knowing Jesus is still on the throne. So let's go into the scripture reading here. We dealt with 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church in Thessalon- or the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father... Here's a triad. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. There's two triads here. You have the faith, love, and hope. You have the um, labor, endurance, and work. Those three things, those, that couplet of uh, three things each, is available to us. And that's what somebody who is following Jesus Christ would operate in. Faith, hope, and love, work, labor, and endurance. We would be doing those things if we're following Jesus Christ. This is what the chosen or the elect do. And that's the next verse. Verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And here we are at the great debate for the last six centuries. You have been chosen. You have been predestined. God said, you will be saved. And I'm pointing at all of you. you you'll be saved. That's it. it. You ask the question after that. Well, wait, I went forward in an altar call. I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. The scripture even says in John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So scripture says that, no, we didn't choose God. God chose us. And this is the great debate, the Calvinist versus Arminius view of the scripture, salvation. One view, and I'm going to try to keep this as simple as possible, but it, it has grown way out of proportion. It's anything that, that is not simple. It is everything that is complex. But what it basically says, and by the way, I want to preface this and I'll say it at the end of this particular portion too. Whatever we believe about this, doesn't affect our salvation. It affects how we deal with others. And so that's why it's important to know this. So the debate, I'm going to encapsulate it for you, is one side says you have nothing to do with your salvation whatsoever. There is not a molecule or an atom or an electron that doesn't move in this universe that God did not cause it to move. 
everything happens for a reason. And there seems to be scripture that points that out. There also seems to be, well, I should say there is scripture that points that out. Then there's the other side that you, the pronoun you or whosoever or the adjective your comes into play because there's several scriptures that deal with that. So which is true? Did God do it all and you did nothing or did you have a part in it? And there's words for that, theological terms that I'll get to. But I want to make sure we understand this debate. So let me ask you this question. Does God try to save people? You think about it a minute. Does he try? You remember that great philosopher, the little green guy, Yoda? He said, do or do not. There is no try. God either saves or he doesn't save. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God tries at nothing. Now, I believe that. He saves or he doesn't save. Now, how is that spelled out for us? Is it because of what we do or don't do? Or because God chooses not to or chooses to save? See, that's where the question really lies. Romans chapter 13 says, Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And different versions say it different way, but the, the grace of God will come to those who wish to be saved, if you have that desire. Now, there, if you follow the Calvinist view... It's a fatalistic view that it doesn't matter what somebody does. Their eternal destiny has already been chosen for them. That means God determines that some people will be saved before the foundations of the earth were ever set. And God determined that some people would be damned and they would go to hell. And there's no changing either one. That's the Calvinist view. John Calvin even said... Some are preordained to eternal life, others to eternal damnation, and accordingly, as each has been created for one or other of those ends, we say that he has been predestined to life or death. The people don't have a choice. This is just imposed upon them. John Feinberg, a Calvinist scholar, he wrote this. If Calvinists are right about divine sovereignty, there seems to be little room for human freedom. If freedom goes, so does human moral responsibility for sin. Worst of all, if Calvinists are right, it appears that God decides that there will be sin and evil in our world, maybe even brings it about that there is such evil, and yet, according to Calvinist, is not morally responsible for any of it. We are. What he's saying here is God not only set up the possibility that Adam and Eve would fall in sin, He caused them to sin. But if you look at theology, God is not the author of sin. God does not tempt anybody to sin. And so it's like, how do you arrive at these conclusions in Scripture? And then one says, you're going to be saved whether you like it or not, and you're going to be taken to the end of this life, and you're going to persevere to the end, you're going to be saved. The other one says, another view is, no, you can get saved, but then you can lose your salvation, but then... You shouldn't call it eternal life. You should call it temporary life. And you can get temporary life over and over and over. But they say you can lose your salvation or you can walk away from the faith. You can choose to do that. And then there's the argument that's in between. Well, if you do that, you were never really saved. So you're either saved or you're not saved. And this has been going on 
for over six centuries, this argument that's been going back and forth. And I'm going to solve it for you here today. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to solve this for you here today. I I just want to present to you the two views that are out there because, like I said, it affects how we interact with other people. So the Calvinists would say that human beings have no free will. It only either appears that we do or we only think we do. You think you were born in either California or whatever state because your parents decided you would be born? No, God determined you would be born at a particular place. Now, let me give you some scriptures here to kind of back up this argument uh, <clears throat> on either side. First, we have been chosen. And to, cho- or to choose means to pick out. It's like you're at an avocado stand and you start squeezing the avocados to see which ones are just right. You have selected it. You have preferred it. You have picked it. Ephesians 1, 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise and glorious grace which he freely has given us uh, in the one he loves. So it clearly says we have been chosen. Ephesians 1.11 says, in, again, in him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the will and plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He chose us. We got chosen. It, it's like, remember, we used to, in elementary school, play kickball when it was still acceptable. Uh, because now it's been banned because some little waif might get hurt, you know, and kickball. And anyhow, uh, you would line up all the kids and you would have two captains. Teacher would pick the captains. Captains would come up here and they'd start choosing. And whoever got last to be chosen would be embarrassed. And whoever got first to be chosen was usually the athletic stud or studist, which would be there. And, and that's how it played out. That's how God he chose us. He said, you're chosen, you're on my team. John fifteen sixteen. you did not choose me, but I chose you. I already read that one. So we have been chosen. We have also been predestined. In other words, to decide or appoint beforehand, before the creation of the world. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So it said, not only are we chosen, but we have been predestined. We have been appointed, fated, prearranged, predetermined. Then it says, we are elected or designated, selected, and adopted. First Peter 1.1 1, 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace to you, are be yours in abundance. So we have been elected. And not only that, but the particular time and place, you've heard me mention this verse before, has been chosen for us as well. Acts 17, verse 26. For one man he, or from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. If you live in Lakeside, great. If you live in Texas, I feel sorry for you. But if you live in Florida... <laughs> I just had to get that in there. <laughs> no, actually, I feel sorry for us living in California. I know, I know how it goes. And so God has chosen the particular places that we should live. 
where we should reside. It's no accident that we are residing today in California. God chose that. And that can lead to the fatalism. Well, if that's the case, he knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Yep. Did he predetermine it according to the Calvinistic view? Yep, he did. And you're going to go to the store and you're going to pick avocados and tomatoes and steak and whatever you're going to choose. God predetermined that you would do that, which will affect your health, which will determine how long you're going to live. And all of that has been predetermined. That's fatalism. It doesn't matter what you do because God has already determined what's going to take place. I am not a fatalist. I don't believe that. But doesn't scripture say that we choose? Now, I want you to pay attention to the pronouns and the adjective your. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and are saved you you see the problem so we are chosen we are elected we are predestined but you choose this is the argument matthew 18 2 this is well i'll just read it he called a little child and had him stand among them and he said i tell you the truth unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven it doesn't say unless god speaking to us unless i change you you will never become a child and oh it says unless you change to be like a little child you will not be a part of heaven then it's uh, talking about those people that were evil uh, in Luke chapter 13, it says, Now that there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. It seems like the responsibility is on us from these verses. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, another pronoun, but whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So there you have the dilemma between the two. Did God do it or did you do it? The Calvinists would say, ignore all of those yous. We're going to take the definition of you and change it to elect. That's what they do. They say, God is not willing that any of the elect should perish, but all should come to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. little paraphrase there. But that's in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And, and I'll get to that and read it verbatim. <clears throat> but it, it's this idea that you shift all the personal responsibility, put it back in God's court, and say it's only, these verses only apply to those who have been elected to salvation. Now, I'm going to read Second Peter 3, 9. Here it is. I didn't even realize it was right there. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. Now, this has to deal with the characteristic of God, whether he is 
omniscient or not. If he wants everybody to be saved, why isn't everybody saved? Doesn't he have the power to do that? Ah, that's the question, isn't it? Would God do it if he wanted us to have free will? Well, free will, according to the Calvinists, is a myth. Free will, according to the Arminians, no, it's a reality. And, and these two go against each other. Now, I have six minutes. I'm going to give you some words. I'm going to end it with these words. But in order to understand the fullness of this argument, you have to understand three words. One is compatibilism. One is synergism. One is monergism. Compatibilism is a, it's a philosophical um, position where a person's free will is compatible with God's predestination. I'm going to redefine it for you. In other words, say you're a computer. God comes up to the computer, programs the computer to do certain tasks, walks away, lets the computer do its thing. They, those who are Calvinist Reformed, would say the computer is operating according to free will. Who programmed the computer? God did. Is it operating according to free will? No, it is not. But they will say it is. Now, by the way, if a Calvinist hears this, their hair is going to catch on fire and I'm misrepresenting everything that's going on. And I'm not. That's what it is. And then there's this synergism and monergism. Synergistic, you've heard about that? That's where two people work together to accomplish something. Monergism is one person is working to accomplish something. Synergism, the Calvinists would say, God is not into synergism. God does it all. He's a monergist. He's the one, calls you, saves you, elects you, predestines you, gets you saved, glorified, justified, uh, regenerated, all of those things. That's what God does. You have no part in it. They would also say that faith is a work. Now, some would say, no, I don't believe that. Well, no, that's if you follow the line of reasoning, that's actually what it means. And then the monergism, excuse me, the, yeah, the monergism is God does it all himself. The synergism is where we work with God. God calls us, we respond, we get saved. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, you're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of yourselves, this is a gift of God. Um, it, it's not a work lest any man should boast. And so we're not saved by works. I have three minutes. Th- this idea of that verse, the people who say faith is a work, I don't believe that. Book of Romans chapter 3, chapter 11 says faith is not a work. If it's not of faith, it is a work. If it is a work, it is not of faith. You can read the book of Romans, go through that also. Uh, the book of Galatians talk about that. You know, it's not by works that we are saved. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And there's a structure and there's a rule that governs this. And the Greek in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is called the Granville Sharps rule. It's not talking about grace that is... Uh, given to us as a gift of God or faith that is given to us as a gift of God. It is salvation that is given to us as a gift of God. That's the construction in the Greek. And some people say on the Calvinist side, if you exercise faith, you're exercising a work and you did something. Well, faith is not a work. Faith is something we do, but it is not a work. It is our response to God. We did nothing to earn our salvation, nothing to bring about our salvation. We just said, I believe. That's it. 
That, that's the end of the story. That is the debate that goes back and forth. Did God do it or did we do it? Because people on both sides of the aisle will say, you can't have both. Why not? I want both. I want, we responded, God did it. How do you reconcile that? I can't. I, I can't reconcile it. We've tried six centuries to reconcile it. And we have divided camps on this idea. For those who are saved, it doesn't matter. What does matter, double predestination, if somebody is destined for hell and somebody is destined for salvation, why do you have to evangelize? It doesn't matter if you evangelize. Why give the gospel? It doesn't matter. And why do you think there's a lot of Presbyterians and Reformed and they don't, Calvinists, they, they don't go out and do evangelization? Because it doesn't matter. But if you go to the Arminia side, oh, wait, Timothy was to do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because people would respond and get saved. Well, who would get saved? The Calvinists would say the elect would get saved. And that's why some Calvinists go out and they evangelize. It's like, man, you're making this way too complicated. Just give the gospel. And if the Calvinists are right, God's going to sort it all out. And if the Arminians are right, God's going to sort it all out. Why do we sit there and argue about this? Now, I would have no problem go sitting in a Reformed church, sitting down. Now, on the inside, I'd get a little every once in a while if they started talking in that direction. And the Calvinist, that's, or the, the Arminius that says you can lose your salvation, I go, no, I, I don't know about that. It's like, I'm not even going to go there. It's Jesus Christ and him glorified. He's the one that we need to believe in. Just forget about all that. If you want to look it up just to get frustrated a little bit, go ahead and do it. You know, Go through all this study. It's great time. You're going to feel wonderful afterwards. But it, it doesn't matter in the scheme of things. But God does tell us to look into these things. We're to study the deep things of God. Just get into it. Just try to figure it out for yourself and God will give you wisdom and then you'll come out the end and go, okay, doesn't matter so much. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do according to the scripture. That's what we need to do. My encouragement to you this week is do not be afraid about what lies ahead. Don't worry about the great reset that's coming. Just make some basic preparations. If it really gets bad, we're all going to be in the same boat. It's not going to matter a hill of bean. We're all moving to San Angelo, Texas. And, and then... <laughs> And then we'll be taken care of there. We won't have to worry about it anymore. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is an encouragement to us. That, that we know what's coming. You do nothing, your word says, without telling your prophets. And you have told us that it's going to get bad, that there's going to be a mark of the beast, that nobody would be able to buy or sell, that inflation will be here, that a day's wages will be required to buy a loaf of bread. And we're heading in that direction and wars and rumors of wars and all these are just birth pangs. We understand, Lord, but help us to be calm in the midst of the storm. Just kind of hold on like on the deadliest catch. But you have caught us to be alive. And we'll rejoice in that and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. please stand.